Yeah. Trigger warning. If you don't like uh, medical and like gore, um, you might want to skip this one. Maybe skip this one. This, this, they'll have stuff that's maybe not, not so... Uh, I think most of our listeners are pretty cool with um, some blood and guts. But if you're not, you know, give this one a little, little rusty poo. But this is, this is uh, my friend. Are we doing your actual name? Sure. This is my friend Katie. And uh, she's joining me today. She actually needed just like a nice little weekend away in the, in the studio. My little hideaway mm-hmm. from life. Yes. Which um, anyone, if you want to have a little hideaway from life for a few days, like come on out and hang out with me. It's nice. Yeah, what, how, I want to hear how you almost died three okay. separate times. Do you want the respiratory failure, the catastrophic hemorrhage, or the heart attack? All of them. Okay. Quick well, versions of all of them. Okay, so... The first time was in 2011. How old were you? I think. Third. It was like, I was about to turn 30. No, no, I just turned 29. And I was living with Joe, my first husband. And by then we'd moved to Kirkland and it was like the coolest place. So we moved into the place. I was on disability. I was on like a shit ton of pain beds. Because it was back before they really locked him down. And I was seeing this doctor who got his license revoked and shit for causing issues. And he had me on like methadone and morphine and Percocet. So I'm like, and I'm functioning on it because I've been on it so long. Fun. And I, let's see. Husband had gone to work and his best friend was going in for a, um biopsy on a, a lump they'd found, even though she was, you know, early thirties. So it was scary. It turns out it was just a, a fatty cyst or something, but yeah, still she scary. needed moral support. And I remember, I mean, this was back in 2011, but there was a new strain of the flu going around. I don't even remember what it was, but I woke up, I think it might've been swine flu. Although I think swine flu was two years earlier. So it was whatever was big in 2011. Yeah, but whatever. It never actually has been confirmed that that's what it was. Um, but I remember waking up kind of having that weird little tickle, like, oh, I wonder if I'm getting sick or if this is allergies, you know, post-nasal drippy. Mm-hmm. And I got to the, the exam and I was kind of extra tired. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like I might be coming down with something. And they're like, oh, it's fine. Just wear a mask. Cool. So I'm sitting there. We get through the biopsy. I get home and I just, I remember texting my first husband being like, I just don't feel right. And he got home. He goes, holy shit, you're sick. He took my temperature. It was like 104. So we're just self-caring at home because I'm me. It's a virus. Right. I can go to the hospital, but they're going to tell me it's a virus. Go yeah. home, sleep, rest, fluids. It's That's a virus. all you can do. And so I'm continually getting worse through the weekend to the point where I couldn't lay flat on my back anymore because I felt like I was drowning. Oh, no, um, yeah. You know, no big deal. Um... But it's me, and since I don't complain and I don't feel pain the same way other people do, I just slept and got ignored in the room because I don't require anything. Right. 
And I remember he, like, husband went back to school or back to work on Monday. And I called my GP and I was like, I need to be seen. I'm convinced. I'm pretty convinced I've got pneumonia. And they're like, whatever, you know, it's just a virus. But all right, fine. We'll squeeze you in. What? So I showed up and it wasn't my usual doctor. And he gets me into the room and he looks right at me. Before he listens to me, he goes, you know, it's just a virus, right? Nothing happens this quickly. And I was like, yeah, I get it. But like my fever won't go down even with meds. I'm, I can I hear. can't breathe. I can't breathe. So he barely gets the stethoscope. He goes, oh. He goes, yeah, you've got pneumonia in your left lung. I'm going to send you across the street to Evergreen Hospital. Oh, my God. And I need you to get some x-rays done and then pick up a pack and go home and rest. You've got walking pneumonia. Okay, cool. I'm like, all right, I know how antibiotics work. They work really well for me. I generally feel better within like 24 six, hours. hours, even sooner oh, yeah? than me. Um, my body likes antibiotics. It's like, hell yeah. Um, helpers. Osmosis Jones, if you were to ask my five-year-old, she <laughs> likes that movie. <laughs> um, and so I got home, I took my Z-Pack. I was feeling even worse, but I'm like, I got to give it time. And I remember the next morning I called my then boyfriend's mom because I didn't have anyone of my own to call. And I was like, do you, do you think this might be time to like go to walk-in or go to the ER? Because like, I can't even go back like five degrees and feel like I can breathe anymore. And she just, no, no, you just need to give the meds time. You just need to give the meds time. So I reach out to like another friend and they're like, you're fine, Katie. You're fine. And so finally, okay, and this is, this is me being me. I was a chain smoker at the time too, which ironically he did not know about the ex-husband. I was keeping it. I mean, I'm not a chain smoker, but I was definitely smoking. Everyone that thinks they're hiding smoking thinks that they're hiding smoking. So but are I you am really driving my piece of shit Jeep from? I mean, it was only like three miles, which is how I justified it, with 104 fever, smoking a fucking cigarette. Like I can't breathe, but I'm no. trying. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm gonna get as much. You know, Hell yeah! Do no little hits till I feel it. You gotta smoke. You gotta smoke. And so, like, I remember do? I parked. And I walked up to the emergency and, you know, the emergency room and the triage nurse just kind of like, yeah, and then she kind of walked me back. And like 10 minutes after I got there, I started seizing. And I wet myself, which was how, like, I, I didn't, they didn't even realize it had been a seizure, but I was like, I started coughing and I peed myself. And like, so they're trying to, you know, and I just, and they're all just getting frustrated that every time I'm coughing, I'm now wetting myself. I, I, I can't. That's. That's my life. Every uh-huh. time I cough, I pee myself. Right. But like I hadn't had kids. So apparently maybe I shouldn't have been able to do that. And so they got, you know, I remember the doctor was like, I don't think you're going home today. So you have someone you can call. And I called the then boyfriend and said, hey, apparently I'm pretty fucking sick. They want to keep me overnight for observation. And he's like, oh my God, I'll be right there. Like he actually was. <laughs> and showed up. He actually cared. But, you know, it was the same it was the same conversation of do we call your parents? And of course I hadn't talked to them in like two years at that uh. point. My mom had my mom had found legal loopholes to make my money her money that had no legal repercussions. Amen. So I remember they they got me a room and it was in like just the regular medical floor. There wasn't anything special. And he made sure I was settled in. I just remember being in like 
an extreme amount of pain because I was basically withdrawing from all of these huge narcotics I was on. You know, I was late on doses of methadone and morphine and I have a fever that's like crawling up over 105 that's not resolving. Oof. They can't get an IV in me to save my life. I mean, can't smoke did. a can't even smoke can't, cigarettes. Can't even smoke a fucking cigarette. <sighs> God, fucking gunk in my lungs. Um, and hospital rules. Bullshit. And so I'm laying in bed. I remember like they're fighting with me, and I, I don't remember if this was like two hours or two days. I know it was just me telling them like I need you to help me change. Like I've peed myself, and it was starting to hurt because I was sitting in it. Oh, and. One of the nurses coming in and being like, here's your your breakfast. And me being like, I can't eat. Like, I knew I couldn't eat. I was going to choke on it. And they were, like, forcing albuterol treatments on me, which was making my heart race but making me feel worse. And no one was listening to me. Like, I don't want that. Like, it's not working. And I just remember this one doctor. I, I can't picture her because I don't picture things. But I know she was really sweet. And brown hair. And she she just, like, I remember her kneeling down and making eye contact with me because I was laying on my side and going, what do you need? Oh. And just having this moment of. Yes. And I just looked at her. I go, I'm in pain. And she goes, oh, honey, we know. I am so sorry. If we give you anything, we're worried we're going to stop the little bit of breathing you are doing. We're going to have to let you feel the pain right now. And I stopped asking for pain meds. I was calm, cool, and collected. Right. I fucking just needed, explain it to I me. I just needed to hear that I was just going to hurt until I didn't. And I don't, I think I was only in that room for maybe six or seven hours, even though it felt like days, because they moved me to the progressive care unit right away. And that's where they had me on high flow oxygen and all the monitors and stuff. Um... I think that might be where I begged them to put an, a catheter in. I think I was yeah. like, can you just catheterize That's me? what I was going to ask. Like, if they, they were, were so like, irritated with keeping yeah. you changed. Oh, the the bed sore I had when I got out of there needed oh. medical treatment, too. Um, But I was also like, well, they saved my life. So, like, do I really care that my butt's peeling? Um, yeah. <laughs> it was like the I least mean, of it. Yeah. But, uh... I remember being in the progressive care unit because I had like one set of friends visit Jessica. If she's listening, thank you. I actually do remember you visiting. Um, and then her dumb nut boyfriend, um, that she's not with anymore, but they were coming in and checking. And I know Vivan V for Vendetta was on the TV. And I swear again, I thought it was playing on that TV for days. And I really don't think that the cable station at the hospital had it going 24-7. I mean... It is possible. Yeah. But it's on mute. There's no subtitles. And I just keep flashing in and up. And I'm like, what the... I've never seen the movie still. No idea what the fuck is going on. If he's yeah. a good guy, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen it and I still don't know. So don't oh, worry about okay, it. Okay, fair. Like, so maybe it was the right way to experience it. Yeah. But I was in the progressive care unit for just over a day... Before they realized that um, I wasn't responding to any of the treatments. I was actually getting worse. So they took a fresh set of x-rays. And from one of my vascular surger surgeries, my diaphragm on the left side doesn't inf like doesn't work all the way. Mm -hmm. And so it, at its best, only does like 60% capacity. 
but my right lung was all the way filled. Oh my god, we have so much in common. It's so fucking funny. Your vascular stuff with your diaphragm also? Well, no. I mean, oh. my I just have damage to my right lung where it oh, does Oh, mine's my left lung. Uh-huh. We can matchy match. I know. And both of our scalenes are missing and ri first ribs. ribs. Yeah. Matching. We got matching scars. Oh, no. You wouldn't have that. I was going to say, do you have like a bunch of weird blue veins in your chest? But that's from my blood clot. That's not from... That's different. No, I don't have any of those. We had our ribs removed for different reasons, but... But same, 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 but different. Same. High five. Um. <laughs> okay. Oh, so I remember them kind of like, I'm just, I was, it felt like I was in another triage room. I was sitting in a big, comf like it was like one of the big like infusion chairs or something. Yeah. And they had a CPAP on me pushing like super hard, forcing it. I just remember it being really hard to breathe because it was so... Intense. That's the kind of machine that Patrick is supposed to have for his kind of sleep apnea. And it's impossible to keep, like, wear. Like, you can't it's sleep. It's not comfortable. No, it feels, the way we described it is, like, it feels like someone, like, you have your head out a window and someone has a funnel, like, directly into your nose and mouth and just shooting. And you can shooting. Like, go, like, you let it in and then you have to, but it's not comfortable. No, it's terrible. But, yeah, anyway, go ahead. And by this point, I remembered... Joe had come up and been like, I hope it's okay. He goes, I called your parents. Because it was like day three. And I remember looking at him and just being like, thank you. Like, this is just a boyfriend. Like, we lived together. This is the first guy I'd ever lived with, though. And, like, here I am. Ugh. So, <laughs> I remember sitting and my mom had taken the seat next to me. And the doctor was explaining that the way my lungs were looking, I was starting to not have a great chance of surviving. Yikes. That I was reaching respiratory failure and we needed to intervene. And he was talking about going straight to tracheostomy or tracheotomy, which is, you know, the hole in the neck. And me being the expert of shit like Grey's Anatomy. No. <laughs> so here I am like delirious, but like, you haven't tried other stuff yet. Like, intubate me. Like, why are you going right to... Oh. permanent like larynx like larynx issues and and vocal cord issues yeah you have not exhausted your options like am i am i gonna die if we don't try this other way first and my mom was like well she can't make the decisions and i started arguing and i remember making eye contact with joe and he looked he goes she doesn't want her mom making the decisions and i remember the doctor looking right at me and going can you understand you know do you understand what we're talking about the procedures and i was like yes do you want your mom to make these decisions and me going, fuck no. no. And they go, who do you want to make the decisions? And I go, Joe. Yeah. So here I am picking this new boyfriend over my mom. Well, he so. obviously actually cares. wanted me to live. Yeah. And his family showed up every single day. Aww. And if there wasn't like, and it was often one of them would sit with me until the next one showed up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a reason I married into that family. Um, but yeah. yeah fucking kids um that we didn't have them <laughs> yeah. i did not want kids with him or his family either they were a little overbearing but kind but overbearing yeah but so they eventually just you know like they they go through it they intubate me and then they put me in a vaconium induced coma so it's one of those like you're paralyzed right you still can come in and out of consciousness Ugh. though and so I have random memories of the eight days I was on in the drug-induced coma. Like, I remember one time my my dad and my, my his now wife walking in, 
and her going, I remember her making eye contact going, look at your daddy's lost weight. Doesn't he look so good? And I guess the eye roll, the, and I just moved my eyes over and closed. I'm like, I'm not even going to deal with you right now. But I mean, like there were times I remember the nurses bumping into my catheter bag and it like kind of ripped because they had sewed it in because I was in, I was, I was, they'd sewed it in. Right. So it hurt. Yeah. But I was in the, the coma for eight days and I think they put me back to the progressive care unit for two days and then I went back to the original floor. And the first time I really woke up and was like aware, the nurse being like, oh, honey, we didn't expect you to make it. You weren't one we expected to ever see again. And that was the first moment I realized that I, I basically died. Uh-huh. You, yeah, you, yeah, you And were. it wasn't. And so then I, I spent 42 more days in the hospital learning how to walk. Like, because my muscles were gone. Um, and I managed to go home without oxygen. I made really good friends with this really, really awesome. He wasn't even an IV therapist, but he worked in the emergency departments like every third night. And so that was back when they still had to replace peripheral IVs every three days. Mm. Now they can, they, they know that the risk of infection actually increases yeah the more you fuck with things yeah and by then i was i was at so much i had so much lymphedema from all of the extra fluids swelling swelling and then it took about three months of rehab before i could even like walk around my house without breathing hard and of course my ex's family took that to be the time that it was clearly all of the narcotics i was on all of my pain control that was because I'm disabled, um, that it was the reason. Not not my Sjogren syndrome and, you know, all that mm-hmm. shit that I knew about. But no, 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 it was the meds. So I recovered from that and got off of all narcotics. But pot was legalized very soon after. Oh, yes. And thank, actually, pot works better. Thank all the gourds for pot, man. Pot has kept me from ever using narcotics yeah i don't i don't because i'm so i i was talking to laura about it when we were on our road trip because i was i was like complaining about my hip hurting really bad just because we'd been driving for a long time and sitting for long periods of time is what makes it go fucking ape shit and uh she's like oh do you want some ibuprofen and i was like uh sure I guess she's like how many do you want I was like four (laughs) and she was like are you serious I was like well I can take four and have it take the edge off or I can take less than that and have it do nothing and I was like still shoot the fuck out of my kidneys and liver and this is and I that's what I said I was like the thing about chronic pain is you can't you can put a little bit of a band-aid on it, but it's it's always gonna be there. So you have to choose to either feel it or deal with it. And there's so or much the third damage. Option, the third option is just to completely box it away and pretend it doesn't exist until your body makes you like, I don't know, end up on life support. Right, that's that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if I if I were to take 
pain medicine to get pain relief, I would have to take pain medicine constantly. And I'm not going to do that. Hence being on methadone, morphine, Percocet, gabapentin, and I had fentanyl patches. Right. Because they couldn't, it was nerve pain that they needed to actually address the source. But pain, the pain relief is so addicting when you have chronic pain because you, you can't, I don't know. I can't, I can't imagine n not being in pain anymore. It's, it would be weird. So I'm not going to spend my life just like sitting around and whining about being in pain. I might whine about being in pain, but I'm going to do it while I'm out seeing shit and doing shit and like pushing myself as hard as I can. Well, that's because the pain's going to be there either way. So are you going to be right. at home depressed and in pain or out living your life and in pain? Exactly. And sometimes I do both, you know, I go back and forth, mm -hmm. but for the most part, you know, we both try to just like, fuck, just push through just until bedtime, you know, yep. just push through until you can be asleep. And, and then if you're lucky, you get like six hours. <laughs> yeah, if I'm lucky, mm -hmm. that would, yeah, six hours straight would be. Oh, no, you, you can't get six hours. I mean, even Addie doesn't give me six hours fucking straight. No. She's five. She's sleeping in my bed again. Mm-hmm. She needs it, though. She needs it right now, you That's know? That's why I'm not pushing it. Yeah, she needs it. comfort. Ring, ring. Hello? Cherish. You're not going to believe this. <gasps> what? You know how I normally struggle with the D? Yeah. Diarrhea. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you're not, you're not going to believe this. Uh, today, I strangely had a very rare occurrence of something known as the C. Constipation. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you ever heard about colon broom? Colon broom? No. It cleanses your colon and helps create regular bowel movements, improving digestion and your gut health. Holy mackerel. Does it help your weight goals become easy to reach? And is it keto and fasting friendly? Yes, it is. Whoa. And if you use promo code WORSTDAY10, you can get $10 off and free shipping. No way. Way. Whoa. You should probably get yourself some colon broom and fix that C problem you've got. I agree. Okay, uh, thanks. Bye-bye. Holy shit, Cherish, where did you get that really cute strawberry pipe? I got it at shopcanastyle.com. What is that? It is this beautiful website where you can get the cutest pipes, bongs, smoking accessories ever. They've got things that look like cactuses. They've got pipes that look like cherries and flowers <gasps> and uh, berries and celestial themed things, stuff with mushrooms on it. It's all just really super adorable. Whoa. And if you use promo code, the worst day of my life, in all caps, you get 10% off. Go to shopcannastyle.com, use our promo code, 
and get yourself something cute. Yeah, or something cute for somebody you love. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> okay. okay. Bye. Bye-bye. So then, second time you almost died. So, ah, this one was fun too. So I uh, found out I was pregnant. We used fertility meds up in Kirkland because I had a great team that understood my autoimmune disorder and um, they knew that I had PCOS. So trying to get me to ovulate in a timely fashion because we'd had an oops. We got pregnant when I was on the IUD when we first met and miscarried. And then it was like, oh, well, maybe it'd be really fun. Like, we get along well, and, you know, you're pretty cool, and you're sweet. Like, let's let's do this for real. So we actually tried and couldn't, and so I got on Clomid and took first cycle um, with Addie. And then about five and a half weeks into the pregnancy, we decided it'd be a great plan to move closer to his oldest daughter because the drive from Kirkland to Tumwater and back is you know, on a Friday, three hours. Yeah. And then if we're going to have a baby that's going to be coming along. And Nightmare. She's gotta, yeah. So we'll move closer so they can be sisters, like in more than just weekends or every other weekend or whatever. So by then I was already starting to have complications, which to be fair, I have Sjogren's syndrome, kind of been warned my whole life. Pregnancy probably wasn't going to be super easy on me, uh-huh. but like, Here's this supportive guy who's working and we've got this new house and um, I ended up on bed rest by week 12. Oh, that's so early. Uh-huh. Um, and it was because I had such ha- bad hyperemesis. I was losing like five pounds a week. Um, oh. I lost 56 pounds with Addie. Is that puking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I was ne- I puked all, all morning afternoon night the whole time with scout but i was never diagnosed with that because that's like i don't know it's like Mine a was little bad bit different to have to go to the er to get infusions of ivs and stuff because i was that bad right it's the it's the loss of like all nutrition your and everything where you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah where you're like yeah. deficient because you're throwing up yeah so like much. i was having to go in and get like potassium and Ugh. calcium and all that all the ums i wanted it i want someone to just like if somebody could just hook me up with an IV every once in a while, just like I know how to place them. And... I place my own. I was a vet tech. I mean, That's Patrick, Patrick knows how to, but like, oh my god, it was so much fun. Like, there was like nothing to do at the vet office. We would give each other like eighteen gauge IVs for fun, and then see if we could poke our own. And then we would do shit like in the oh my god, we pretended there was an isofluorine leak because this one brown noser dude kept annoying us, being like, "You can't have the surgical suite closed because if there's a gas leak, you guys will die." And so we waited until he was watching it, and then we would go one, two, three, and we fell. <laughs> and then other times, you're hooking up to the pull socks machine to see how long you could hold your breath before you, like, watched it start to, like, your O2 go down and your heart rate go up. Oh, and, like, my God. Oh, God, we were bored all the We time. would just put stupid casts on each other <clears throat> at the orthopedic place. Like, long, like, very obnoxious casts. And then, like, like fuck around and be like, oh, I'm not going to take it off of you. I, that was not fun. That pissed me off. Mm. Made me feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Being. Mm. So. Okay. Oh. Addie. So I, we switch from like this King County bougie, their low end is like really quite good to Olympia. You mean. Thurston County and St. Pete's. Hospital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So I finally get to meet my new OB. I think I was 12 and a half weeks along. And she walks in, looks me up and down and goes, let's just get this off, like, just off the bat. Women your size don't deliver vaginally. <gasps> so, like, here's our first, you know, like, you're old and you're fat, so your baby is already, you just don't get your hopes up about anything good. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Because I'm sitting here going, like, hey, I've lost a ton of weight. I still am not able to keep anything down. Um... I was getting really bad depression. So like I talked to one of her residents and was like, we agreed on one plan. And then he goes back to get it cleared. And she's like, Oh no. And like changes the whole thing. She was the worst. And like it came to a head. I think I might've been like 24 weeks pregnant. And by then I was really sick and I came in and I remember standing on the scale and looking and going, Oh look, great. I lost another five pounds since last week. Go into the appointment. She's sitting. She's talking through these next steps, like set up your appointment to go visit the birth center, you know, do the, all these things because you're, you're almost in the third trimester now. But last, we need to discuss your weight gain. And I go, weight what? gain? And she goes, well, according to this, in the last month, you've gained 14 pounds. And I said, uh, and she goes, and, and you didn't need to gain anything. And I looked at her, I'm like, I stepped on the scale today and it said I was down 4.3 pounds. She goes, well, our scale doesn't weigh in pounds. It weighs in, or we, we track in kilograms. I'm like, <laughs> well, your, your scale out there sure fucking was in pounds because I remembered the pounds. And so she starts arguing with me that, no, I've gained this weight. I'm clearly, my blood pressure is starting to get high because I'm eating too much sodium. I'm not exercising enough. I'm eating too much. All these things, like, this is why you're starting to be unhealthy is because you're... Your fault. Your, your fault. And I finally looked at her. I'm like, okay, well, before you refer me to this nutritionalist, or nutritionist for my pregnancy, can I go step on the scale again? Fine. Like, she was all like, yeah, I'll call your bluff. And by then, of course, I'd given, like, a pee sample, and then I'd probably peed two more times because, you know, pregnant... And I'd lost like another half pound since I'd been there. And so I remember the nurse taking it and the doctor just kind of turning quiet and going into her office and just not even in, and, um, my, my, this was probably my kiss of like death through St. Pete's as me looking into her office going, did you still want to talk about my diet? <laughs> and her just going, no. And then I'm pretty sure from then it had in my chart that I was difficult so oh, geez. I was 29 weeks and a couple days and I was at home and my blood pressure was like 170 over like 100 or 102 or something small, like the bottom one. Yep. Whatever. And I was like, okay, Micah, like we got to go. We got to go to St. Pete's. Like we got to go L and D. This is looks like early preeclampsia. Like we knew it was coming Based on, well, I knew it was coming because I knew the research. I saw what was going on. I was having the pitted edema, like all this stuff. And I show up and I overhear the nurses talking about, well, she's, she's saying that she'll only do the medication that MFM wants, which they're contracted through this MFM, mind you, because I am, I am a... What's MFM? Uh, maternal fetal medicine. Okay. Specialists for high-risk pregnancies. And being that I was older... 
and I was having these fat issues, I was at higher risk, apparently. So I got, and, and those people were like, you don't start blood pressure medication this late because you're going to mask your only signs that something is wrong. If you're going to start for pre or pregnancy hypertension, you start before 20 weeks and you track it that way. But it's, we, we missed that window. And so I show up at L&D and they're like, well, we're just going to give you some, some blood pressure meds and send you home. And I was like, well, no, it should say in there. So I'm overhearing them basically like she's rejecting everything we want. And so they finally decide to hook me up to an IV, which actually was not what they should do because someone who's fluid overloaded, you know, you probably don't want to give them more fluids, but, and, and that also raises blood pressure. But, um, and then I was complaining about the migraine, you know, preeclampsia migraine features. Right. And they gave me a shot of Nubane, which is, I guess, an injection they give when women are transitioning through that, like, ring of fire. Like, the women that didn't get an epidural and wanted to go as long as possible, but were, like, tapping out. What the fuck? But they gave that to me at 29 weeks pregnant with a migraine. And by then, of course, Micah was being uh, tired and obnoxious and wearing his, his cryo cuff from his, his shoulder injury that was almost a year old by that point so like not like icing it all the times really i mean he hadn't even had his surgery yet but it was it made him look like he you know this big ice pack and and he's sitting in this uncomfortable chair because of course you know it's l and d triage they're not wanting yeah. to be comfortable everything and sucks. all i'm hearing is him because <sighs> <sighs> you know his sleep is very important mm -hmm. so i finally looked at him because i knew they were gonna keep me for a while and i was like just go home i'll call an uber leave the front door unlocked well it turns out he woke up before they discharged me and so his way of standing up for me was to start swearing and telling them they were going to fucking kill me so then of course he gets if you talk like that again to us security's going to come you probably aren't going to even be allowed to deliver here which they don't take babies before 34 weeks or they i think they do 32 now but they didn't do before 34 then and i was five weeks from 34 you were um, 29 weeks at this point. 29 weeks. Okay. Um, and by this point, she we were also, because of MFM, she'd gone from like the 42nd percentile down to like the third. So we had interuterine growth restrictions. So she was actually starting, what was happening is she only had a two-vessel cord. And so normally there's one vessel from mom in the placenta that gives all the nutrients, but there's two that remove waste. Gotcha. She only had one that removed waste. Okay. So as my body was getting sicker and there was more waste coming from her because it had nowhere to go, it leaches into my body. That's why it's called toxemia. You're literally becoming toxic. Oh, your baby's waste is poisoning you. Holy shit. Right. And I just happened to be a severe, super early case of it, which is not common. I think it's like less than 1% of preeclamptic women deliver that early. You need to meet my neighbor. But I need to meet Christina too. That that is oh yeah for Gabby yeah we we know each other yeah kind of not in real life though no but maybe tomorrow you guys can meet because she's like seriously right there that's her house right there. But, I was gonna say I was gonna ask I was like watch her not be in town. Yeah no she's directly next door. But anyway uh, so um so I they send me home. That was a Thursday morning. 
And then I had a, I was like pissed off. I was like, you can't, I'm going to go home and die. Like, are you trying to, you know, and of course, but now they're, I'm trying to calm them down because they want to kick my husband out. I'm trying to calm him down. I'm just trying to like not die. Right. And so they discharged me. And in that point, I, I made up my mind. I looked up, you know, NICU levels, like what kind of NICU level would a, a 30 weeker need? And I found out TG was the, the highest level closest to us. And so I'm like, all right, there's my, my emergency plan. Tacoma know. General Tacoma Hospital. General. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I got crumbs on your man. Oh, um, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to happen. Oh, Shannon fucking crumbs. Yeah. There, there's the, the inside joke about fucking crumbs. Um, but just, I don't. So Thursday, I, they, they had an appointment scheduled for me, like first thing Friday morning. Like they're just trying to appease me because I'm clearly a hypochondriac who, I mean, we're talking the doctor at the L&D that night was like, you don't want to have a premature baby. Your baby's going to have a higher chance of being, you Duh, know, with I developmental <sighs> disabilities and, and small and basically threatening me with a micro preemie who gets the worst of the worst. And acting like I'm asking to deliver my baby right. ten and a half weeks early. God, I and don't know so, how you ever trusted anyone, and it's just worse from there. But so yeah. I saw the one doctor that somewhat listened to me. He was the resident, and I saw him the next morning. That was like part of my. I will. I will go home if I, you know, get to see him in clinic and tomorrow because something's wrong. Like they need to be doing these 24 hour blood tests or something that I showed up and I got to his office. He goes, do you suppose, do you think it's possible that you gained five pounds overnight? Did, did you, <clears throat> did you have like big meals or drink a lot? And I'm like, I've been throwing up. I have not kept food down in 29 weeks or well, 24 because you're not really pregnant for the first however many weeks. Right. Um, and he's like, oh, well, probably just a, way, a, a discrepancy in the scale. And he's trying to convince me that, oh, this blood work we ran last night is it proves that you're healthy for a week. Like he's trying to give me a timeline. Like we, we take week, week intervals and, and just, you know, go home and quit stressing out. Just stay in bed you know, you're doing too much. You're eating too much. You just need to chill. I'm like, yeah, fuck you guys. So I went home and somehow it became Saturday because it was the, the, or maybe it was Friday. It was whatever the McGregor fight was, the big boxing fight <laughs> that, or whatever one was in 2017 in August. Um, and I took my blood pressure and it was like 192 over like 105. Holy shit. And I looked at Micah and I said, I'm about to have a stroke or something. And like there was still like I pressed, a, a, a you know, my finger into where my tattoo was and the whole like the, the divot mm -hmm. was there like 25 minutes later still. Oh, Jesus. And I could like play with it. Like it was I could do mm -hmm. it all up and down my legs. And his eyes are bloodshot. He's got his friends over. They decided to get ripped to fucking hell. So I have no way to get to the hospital now. Well, I mean, I guess I could have called the ambulance, but they would have taken me to St. Pete's. who would have just right. let me die in their hallway. I'm realizing I am at like probably close to either losing the baby or myself. 
go upstairs, took the sleep meds, and rested. I was able to get my heart. I mean, I I can if I if I zone out, I was able to get my blood pressure. I think it was down to like the one sixties over like nineties. It still wasn't Ugh. great, but it was like not one ninety. And I was like, okay, we're gonna. I'm just gonna. We're gonna get through the night. And I woke up the next morning and I hadn't even moved. So I'm. We're talking like I'd been recumbent for six hours, which should mean my blood pressure's at its absolute lowest. Right. And it was higher. It was like two or three points higher than it had been the night before. <sighs> so me being who I am with who I was married to. Nudge him. I need you to take your, your morning Vyvanse and Adderall. I'm going to take a shower. And when I get out, we're going to go have a baby today. Mm-hmm. Having to do it exactly as calm as I did. Because if I were to show any signs of concern that I'm about to deliver a baby at seven months pregnant, you know... No big deal. Women do it every day, right? No, no. no they don't. Mm-mm. Like they do, but no. Yeah, they um, do. And so we get up there, and 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 mind you, I have kept calm, and he's he's knowing that I'm kind of upset with the medical care I've been getting, but I'm clearly still alive. He's still having me drive places when he's too stoned because I'm DD. I'm pregnant. Right. Um. Nice. Yeah, super, super great. Yeah, no, no operating heavy machinery, but sure, let me drive from Shelton home because you're too stoned from being at my mom's house. Um. Anyways. Anyways. Um. Yeah. Well, none of these are not true, so go oh. for it. <laughs> and we get to TG, and it's me again. So like, he's not offering to drop me. At the emergency department or get a wheelchair. We literally walk in the main entrance and it's this old dude with a cane that I'm like, I need help getting to labor and delivery. Like I'd never been there. I didn't know where I was going, but no one else was going to help me. And so this little old man in the cane walks. So I didn't realize how far from L and D we were. Yeah. At that place is a huge, crazy so, nightmare of a maze. And, and Mike is just chatting away. We're all just chatting. Like there's nothing big about to happen. I don't know how he, well, I guess I just, I should know he's that clueless. Cause I'm sitting here going, I'm, this is about to get real. Like, okay. When I explained what was going on in my pressures, because I'd called from the car, they wheeled us right back to the very first room, which is where they do all the emergency C-section. Like, that's that's the prep for emergency crash C-section. Like, the, the room that no one wants to be in. Yeah. The, the one that they don't fill Ugh. unless they have to. And this nurse walks in and she's looking at what's going on. You can tell she's annoyed because I guess she'd just gotten pulled off this case she'd been with all day and the baby was about to be born. And she was like, I was with this mom this whole time and now this weirdo, this family, they're acting like nothing's wrong. She puts the blood pressure cuff on. It starts alarming. It was like 200 over something. (gasps) Next thing I know, there's like five or six nurses coming in. I've got people putting IVs in all parts. There's doctors signing, sign emergency C-section right now. Do you accept blood products? What do you want for baby? We're just going to start throwing stuff at you because if you don't respond to this first dose... Of meds, we gotta. You're take, gonna die, right? And Micah just is turning white. Like he's got no idea there was anything wrong with me. 
Now, it's me, though. As soon as I'm okay being taken care of, I respond well. Right. I stayed pregnant for three more days. Wow. I made it to 30 weeks even. And I remember that he had to go to contempt charges at court against the lawyer that didn't do so well for you guys, but mm-hmm. did great for someone else that no one likes. <coughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, <laughs> they hear it. Cool. Um, but, yeah, they yeah. probably won't. <laughs> You're like, no, you're not that great, Katie. I'm not that great. No, not you, me. I'm not that great. But just, so they've got me, you know, in in L&D, and they're like, yeah, you're not leaving until you deliver. And they're talking to me about, like, we're going to keep you pregnant until at least 37 weeks. That was day one, like, when I responded well. And then day two comes, they're like, we're aiming for 34. Like, each day, they just... Chuck him, chuck 30, probably 32. Shoot and I for... remember it was like, it was a Tuesday. And I was like, I need, I need a notary. And I need to sign a power of attorney to make sure that if I cannot make decisions for myself, that my mother is allowed nowhere near me. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure my mom would have either A, euthanized me, or B, kept me as a vegetable uh, to get attention. Narcissistic, narcissistic, and I make yeah. Oh, she always has to take care of Katie. Katie, whose babies die and shit. Like, why does she always need me? Yeah, yeah. Poor you. Poor, poor Liz. Poor thing. You poor thing. Um. So I managed to get the power of attorney. Like, and I'm doing this all for my bed. Like, I'm just whatever, Micah. You go take care of of your kid and go to work. It's easier with you not at the hospital. I can just sleep and focus on not stress because yes, he had failed to do anything. But from that, like as soon as I got sick, he just stopped paying the car bill. He stopped paying insurance. Oh my God. So he was getting contempt charges and, um, it was one of those, like if he hadn't shown up for court that day, like, there was going to be no recovering financially for him. And, of course, I'm saddled. I settled myself to this. Like, So they, they come in in rounds. It's Dr. Parks. And she's like, oh, how are you? And I'm just doing my chit-chat, you know, oversharing, not realizing that I'm basically oversharing that the features I've gotten have now become too dangerous to continue the pregnancy. Me talking about seeing what looks like, like when you stare at the lake and the sun's hitting it and it's those ripples uh-huh. and you're staring too long and then you see those ripples for like a good three, four minutes afterwards. Yep. I could only see those. It yeah. was just, everything was rippling. And she goes, you're going to lose your eyesight if we continue. It's and like I'm all like, the stuff that they told me to watch out for. And, and, but meanwhile, no one had told me to watch out for it. I only knew because my friend Leah had delivered her child at 34 weeks. What the fuck? Uh, well, no, I was just fat and I was whiny oh and I wasn't willing to like, God, that's the difference. Uh, fuck that. No, I, I literally was left to die because I couldn't possibly have been a healthy fat person. Which, by the way, anytime one of the doctors does that, well, we should probably just do a fasting blood glucose because you're probably pre-diabetic. Bitch, my blood sugars are fucking perfect. My blood sugars were fucked. (laughs) (laughs) 
that was one thing. I was like, ah, no diabetes. You're thinking, fucking God. Yeah, no, I No, I'll it. just, you know, try and kill myself with blood pressure and stuff. <laughs> so. I had both. Well, and, and I, you know, and by then I'd done the research. The two-vessel cord, you're more likely to have preeclampsia. You normally only have preeclampsia your first pregnancy. All these things. So I'm like, okay, well, fuck, this was exciting. But at least next time we know to just skip St. Pete's, go right to St., you know, right to, to TG. And I'll just establish care there. Um, and so Dr. Parks is like, we need, we're, we're prepping a, a delivery room for you now. And I have this picture of me just telling her, I was like, but I still need to take a shower. Like I'd skipped the shower the day before because I was just so tired. Yeah. And all I could think is like, I took a shower before I left and I was looking like the nurse was getting me my stuff to take a shower and Micah's at court. And you know, you're not going to get another chance to take a shower for... It ended up being almost seven days <gasps> because of, of all the complications. Oh my God. Oh, maybe it was only five days, but it was, it was days. Um, and I remember crying being like, well, I didn't get my shower and Micah's going to be in court till like probably 11 or 12. Like he's not going to forgive me if I don't, if he misses. Yeah. This. He needs to be here. And she goes, honey, she goes, you are a closed, closed, maybe half. And you're 30 weeks, and the one thing your body's doing really well is not wanting that baby out. You're not going to be having the baby in the next 24 hours. She goes, unless you want to just go for a C-section. I was like, well, no, I mean, no. And so, so why were they prepping a delivery room for you well, if they because, weren't going to do because it? Because at any point I could stroke out. Oh. So it's still like they always they would have an OR available, gotcha. but I was going to be allowed to to have an induction of my choice as long as I stayed safe for up to forty eight hours. I could I could labor for forty eight hours before they'd come in for a C section, unless or until that was that was what we'd agreed on because I wanted I wanted a vaginal delivery. I also wanted a pain med free delivery, which I later regretted because <clears throat> I succeeded. Don't recommend after 46 hours of labor. But so we'll get to that. Oh, man, so, epidurals um, are sick. So awesome. So oh. they took me to the delivery room and they're, you know, oh my God, I got to say TG, those are beautiful delivery rooms. Like huge fucking corner soaking tub that can fit like two people. I've been to a big giant medicine ball. Addie wouldn't stay on the monitors unless I was flat on my motherfucking back. Ugh. I'm on magnesium, so I'm not allowed to walk. I'm on Pitocin at max uh -huh. volume. I'm on penicillin because, ooh, strep B carrier. Boring. So I'm literally, <laughs> and I'm not allowed to move because if I move, this kid gets off the fucking monitors. Yeah. And this is the only thing making sure, like, she's safe. Okay, yeah. And because the bag's still there, they can't attach anything to her head. Like, you know, it's still pretty primitive, early, early stages. But I was handling things well. I get the phone call at, like, 1130. The court went horrible. He basically... Everything that was asked for by the other party was given plus some right. with another big like, you're a fucking piece of shit, which is always what you want to, you know, hear the father of your kid called as you're in labor about to deliver another one. Um, yeah. And so he calls and he's he's 
it's a good five minutes of just venting about how awful everything is. And then he's finally like, all right, what's up with you? Right. I was like, okay, where are you? And he goes, oh, I just got home. I just picked up kiddo. I said, all right, what I'm going to need you to do is have her help you pack a bag for a couple days. And again, this is me doing the completely calm, let me walk you through it. Oh because God. can't spook. I need you to pack a bag. Three, four days, however, however long. Your sister is going to be meeting us here at the hospital. They started my induction a few hours ago. Oh. And of course, my mom, I, I caved and my mom was there. Like, she wasn't going to be allowed to be there for the delivery, but I didn't want to do the induction alone in case there was a catastrophic hemorrhage. Like, what if they start the induction and I hemorrhage and I'm sedated and gone? Like... Yeah. My brain at that point, a 30-weeker was the scariest thing I'd ever... I I didn't know 30-weekers are considered a pretty decent gestation. Like, yeah. compared to Addie's best friend, who's a 24-weeker, who lost her 24-week-old twin mm-hmm. during, you know, 48 hours after delivery. Like, and, and knowing mutual friends that have... And then other ones, 22-weekers. Like, but for me, in that moment, I'm thinking... My sister met all of her best friends in these mom and me classes, and I never got to tour a NICU. I'm not, I never got to build a nursery. I never got to have a baby shower. Like all these things that, that really weren't important, but then it, it helps not be so scared of the fact that you think your baby's probably going to die. Yeah. And of course, you know, I didn't want to hear that the nurses were really trying to, really trying to comfort me. Yeah. 30 weeks is great. She's super active. She looks like she's a great size. Fuck you. Like, no, my baby's not. Don't sugar. Yeah. Just, no, let me be scared. Like, the one thing I'm allowed to do is be concerned about my child that my body hasn't given her the best start for whatever reason. Even though it's not my fault either. Yeah, I know. I'm not but... trying to say it's my fault. But, like, it yeah. wasn't her fault any more than it was my fault. And it's my and you're job not... to, like, I got to work. This is my baby. You got to protect it. Yeah. And so he shows up, sees that my mom is there. Oh, the LSD is kicking in. Not the medicine. Like, Lemon sour diesel strain of marijuana, not not actual L- yeah, LSD. Not LSD I'm not, I'm Dave. Not. <laughs> well, anyone that knows me also like I never did that shit straight edge way too long and then lost my chance. Um, well, didn't lose my chance. Now I just don't want to risk what I've heard can happen from a bad trip on shit. Um, but he comes in, sees that my mom's there, knowing. That my mom is who my mom is. And having that love-hate relationship you have with narcissists. Because, of course, my mom really liked Micah when she liked Micah. Right. So it's... She might be being kind of shitty to me, but she's being really good to Avery. Mm -hmm. And really good to Micah. So, like... It's not maybe that bad. You know? Um... It is. And I remember he was holding his fucking, the ice, the ice container and the sleeve for his cryo cruff. And he just grabs the sleeve and he just chucks it into the wall next to my bed, hits it and goes, I missed the start of this fucking induction because of your cunt of a mother. Right at Avery. To which point the nurse comes in and just immediately just, just escorts him out. 
my mom's now trying to comfort his daughter. How old was she? Eight. <gasps> Newly eight. And he yelled that in her face? Mm -hmm. oh. Never. Never talked her through it either. Because if you don't, if you just, if you just never do it again, it, it, it couldn't still have an, but then when you do it again, it, it does then have an, yeah. I, I don't want to, the names he's probably going to, or has probably already called me, um, which is fine, whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> Divorce fine. your husband. Yes, right. Clementine Ford. <laughs> That's like her big slogan is oh. wives divorce your husbands. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. I'm like but... super into that. Like, fuck the institution of marriage if this is what it is. Right. No. Like, there's nothing in this marriage. Of like, I may be broke and terrified, but I have a roof over my head for at least the next couple months. I have food stamps. I'm going to have child support coming up. I know that if it came down to it, my friends will help me. And it's terrifying, but I don't need anyone. It's people that want to help me, and I'm taking care of me. And Hell it's yeah. scary, and it's good, but fuck marriage, dude. Just saying. Yeah. Um, we, we need to talk about that, too, but yes. later. We'll Let me that. trip a little bit harder on my LSD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Not real LSD days. But it turns out like, and, and of course, this I, I want to blame this on cishet white upper class privilege. He knew the nurse. They'd gone to school together. So she walked with him to the parking lot to calm him down and explained to him that it was only because of the extreme nature of the situation that she was not going to call security on him. Uh-huh. We're calming everyone down. It was one of those like, okay, get some sleep. And so, of course, you know, I'm clearly resting super comfortably being the center of attention, having meals brought to me. I hate trying to sleep in a hospital. Well, but the other person, his, as he liked to share the meme, that the worst part of the hospital stay for him was the bed, the couch bed. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because hospital beds are, birthing beds are so fucking, and I wasn't allowed to move. Yeah, boo fucking who, Seriously, that, that was your worst thing? Because we're about to talk about my worst thing. Right. But, but tell me about, yeah. about the, the air vent that was blowing oh. on you on oh. your on your on your bed. I'm so uncomfortable for you. I feel so bad for you that yeah. you were that uncomfortable, you poor thing. Oh, fucking Men. Right? Bunch of pussies. So like we get to the next day and I think I think it was partway through the night. I um she had me walk to get up and use the bathroom, and I passed, like, I don't know, like a, a cuties, like a little satsuma orange-sized clot. Um, and oh, I Jesus. Kind of, I was like, uh, is that normal? She goes, well, it can be. We'll just, you know, we're not going to flush. We'll let the, the laborist like on call see. So she comes in, and, and <laughs> Dr. McKinney's awesome. She goes, No. I know what a sad sumo-sized clot looks like. I don't need to see your individual one. Uh-huh. She goes, I'll note it. 
But in the meantime, why aren't you in pain yet? Like, what's going on? I'm like, you told me you didn't think I could do it natural, and I'm the, the, I'm the freak. Like, right. I made the decision that my mom's not going to be the only one in the family to have an unmedicated birth, although mine's very medicated, just not for pain. Right. You know, like, there's nothing natural about my vaginal delivery happening right here. It's not... They're pu they're really pushing it I'm out of you. I'm not meant to literally. I I didn't realize I'm like laying in the same position. <laughs> like this is how I was uh -huh. for 46 hours. Oh yikes! Yeah, laboring. Holy shit! Yeah. On magnesium and pitocin and constant monitoring and contractions that whole time. But I they didn't bother me because her bag of water and like my pain control. They, to me, really just felt like period cramps. Right, yeah. And so Dr. McKinney was like, she came and she like, cranked up the Pitocin, and she goes, I need to start hearing you start yelling. Uh -huh. You need to start begging for your epidural. I'm going to get you there. And I'm like, challenge accepted. And I looked right at her and I go, oh, I'm having a contraction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, doing this thing, and she goes, <sighs> so she goes out and she comes in. I think it was like Right at shift change, so 6 p.m., 7 p.m. So at this point, I'm like 30, 24, 36 hours in. I guess I didn't quite go 48, but I'm, I was heading that. Close enough. Yeah. On your way to day four. Right, so like, okay, we're, uh, she's, she's signing off, and she's like, yeah. She goes, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. She goes, you win for being tough. I get it. Mm -hmm. She goes, if you start to feel pain from this point on, don't hesitate for the epidural. You're going to need it for the C-section. It makes more sense to just get it so it doesn't feel rushed in the suite. Right. Like, she was very kind about it. She was just like, your body's... You know, my sister had had at that point four C-sections. Right. So, like... It, it's not everyone. I mean, I, I I did all the right things, but if she's not meant to come out that way, my body, the one fucking thing it did right was like, no. Yeah. You've been in labor for 36 hours and you're one. I'm surprised they let you be in labor that long. Before yeah. They... But you weren't stressed. You weren't. I, weren't, I wasn't stressed. The baby stressed. wasn't stressed. I mean, well, it's also me, though. So because I present like I'm not bothered, they don't treat me like it's a problem. Right. They don't, or or they're yeah, coordinated free fall. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they were still having. Well, anyway, that that comes to this part because um. God, her name will come to me. I'm sure, but she comes in the new doctor. It's no longer MFM. MFM only works working hours. They don't. They don't work on holidays. They don't work on weekends. They're not they're on, on call. call. They're on call. Mm. But they don't, they're not there during the day. Gotcha. So like Monday through Friday, they're just at the hospital. They're performing all the surgeries on twins or high risk or, you know, stuff that's planned emergent. Yeah. Or, or intense. Um, and she comes in and she just looks right at me. She goes, all right going to be honest here. I got an OR ready. You're not making it the mm. way you're going. 
I'm not gonna argue if you're one of those moms that needs to go the full 48 hours before you call it, but you could run the risk of something happening and the ORs not being as available and it getting a little bit sketchier. Uh-huh. She goes, I'm kind of the renegade of the group. <clears throat> she goes, there's a, a risk that this would lead us maybe running to the OR instead of wheeling. Uh-huh. She goes, but it's legit. Like, you're, you're, you're right next door. She goes, right. the team's right here. We're, we're ready. I could break your water. Oh. She goes, you'd be at a very high risk of a cord prolapse. But again, we do these all the time. We're ready. That's one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life. Was a cord prolapse? No, having my water broken. Oh. Well, my thing was, is I was like, all right, well, let's do it. Like, I, I don't have to go the full 48. I appreciate you saying, like, if it were me. Right. Like. That's how I always treated you're every. Gonna, you're going to just get more yeah. tired. You're going to be more of a. You're, you're, you've, you've proven. We get it. You're right. tough, but your body's still not doing what it's supposed to do. So she goes, do. and I, I do need to warn you that, you know, you might need the epidural after this step. Like, you, you, you don't, don't feel too proud. So I'm like, okay, cool. So she rechecks me. She goes, I hate to say it, but you're back to a one. Somehow. Shrank back. I shrank. Which means she goes, I'm pretty sure the last doctor was just being kind by giving you that half centimeter because means you didn't make progress for like 24 hours. <laughs> you well, know? your body's like, what the fuck? I know it's not time yet. No, like this, this is wrong. Like, bring it on. I will hold the baby. Yeah. <laughs> this baby needs to cook longer. Stop. <laughs> and then it just like sucked back My up. My body is like, no, no, no. Yeah. Excuse you. No. <laughs> So, <laughs> of all the times to be, like, super efficient with using the resources. Um, well, I think, she, like, your uterus wasn't ready, but your... Uh, my body was... We the were, rest of your body was, we like, both, it was at the this thing's killing me. Get it out. Addie was at... It was healthier than me. Right. Addie out... Was safer than... Right. In. Right. I, I was, that's the only time they consider doing it that early. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, when no, it's it was safer. It was, I, I was dying. Well, yeah, I was legitimately dying and we all, but we all knew that the way to resolve the issue is to deliver the placenta because the placenta is what's leaching the poisons into the bloodstream. So that's why delivery of the baby is the cure. Right. Which is also why they don't understand how postpartum preeclampsia occurs because there's no longer a placenta. So she break your water? Yes. And it, so I was yeah, a one and I was what, like a plus three. Like I was all the way up. Like the water, she hadn't, she had not engaged at all. What's plus three? So like station, like where if she was right at the cervix. We're ready not to pop pressing, out. it's a zero. Okay. And then, like, I guess a centimeter in or whatever, like... Oh, so she was way up. She, she was, was way up. up she had then... not engaged. My body had not... No. My body was literally not in labor. I was just contracting for the fucking sake of contracting, which is also probably why it wasn't hurting, is my body wasn't engaging. It was like, right. okay... It's just the Pitocin <laughs> being like, 
Uh, it, it was like it was like the guys who just aren't gonna get you to come. Like, right. Just, All right. Paul, enough. Enough you just already. Call it. Like <laughs> you're not gonna get me there. Yeah. Let's I'll just. just eh, okay, that was good. Yep, it hurt. Go. All right. Bye. Oh. <laughs> Can't really fake it though. The baby doesn't come out until it's actually done. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't fake that. So yeah, by this point, yeah. So literally, she ruptured the water. Ugh. And Addie went from the three to a zero <gasps> and a one in three minutes. Holy shit. And she goes, okay, you're going to, you probably should call people. You're probably going to have the baby in the next six hours. She goes, you have a very good chance. Because as soon as her head was there, we knew the placenta wasn't going to, or the, the cord couldn't prolapse. That's the main risk is when you pop it, if the, pro, the cord goes out before the head engages. Which would be more likely to happen when you're not full term because and also when there's that big bag so it could be floating right yeah so they did an ultrasound that's right they did an ultrasound right before to to try it it still was a risk yeah but this is a doctor who literally came in and said i'm the team renegade and it's like right. all right she's she's feeling up for you know whatever so i just i was like oh okay Here's those contractions. Whoa! Like I was like, all right. I was like, let's let's get that epidural. Ooh, that's like, some that's some pain. Uh huh. And I, was like, I was like, I think I was even kind of doing the ho ho ho. Like yeah. I was like, it sucks, okay. man. So they come in and they say, all right. So in this amount of time, the anesthesiologist had gotten a request. Oh. So they're like, she's gonna be here in about forty-five minutes. Oh, yep. So I'm like, okay, 45 minutes. I can make it. This is this is the real labor. This is the real part. Like, I'm gonna get the epidural. It's okay. I can say I did this much. Right. I think it was about 30 minutes in, Ugh. and the nurse Jamie, she comes in. She goes, okay, sweetie, I'm gonna need to try to position you. I can't tell if the monitor is not reading right or if she's starting to have a decent. Like, some D cells. It's don't be concerned. Like we've got this, but you know, Doctor So and So's Doctor Sanford. Doctor, yeah, she's on lunch, but I paged her. No worries. Like you know, controlled concern. Just like what you do to people. Just what I do to people. And so, like, <laughs> well, she's either convincing or she's telling the truth. Right. No, <laughs> so, she's a nurse. So she, she rolls me on my side, and I guess the D-cell stops. She goes, okay, cool. I'm still going to have, you know, Dr. Sanford's like 10, 15 minutes out. Don't worry about it. You know, like, now would be a good time to get some rest. She's in a good rhythm. You're in a good rhythm. You're contracting. Everything's she tells good. Micah to lay down, turns off the light. I am currently laying on my left side. No one put a call button in front of me. Oh shit. And the call button that's attached to the bed behind you is behind me and I am currently immobilized. Oh shit. Like I, well not immobilized, but I'm severely like fluid heavy, not able to move. So I just go Just being pregnant, you can't move that easily and to I'm grab these, something like, behind you. Trying to rest. Yeah, try to rest. Try to rest. I go, Micah. Micah. Hit the fucking button and he just jumps up and comes and slams it and he's like what's going on like of course he's a dude so he was out out in right. like they 10, can sleep 30 minutes whatever not immediately 
I think it actually was only eight minutes. It was very, it was very quick. He, he's dramatic. Oh, he's also military, so they legit can just turn off. Um, frustrating as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were trained heavily for that, though. So, so Jamie comes in, and she almost looked annoyed. Like, I think she was, like, trying to prep stuff for, like, surgery. I'm thinking she was like, okay, baby's starting to have early signs, like, Here's our chance, for, you know, like, yeah, she's assuming this is headed towards C-section and I'm slowing her OR down. Right. And I go, she's on her way out. And yeah. she goes, there's no way. I checked you eight minutes ago. Like you were, you a, felt the urge you were to push. Three. And I said, Jamie, she's coming uh -huh. right now. And she goes, roll on your back. And I rolled. She goes. Fuck, oh, don't push. She yeah. pushes my legs closed. Pulls back. And next thing I know, there's like the, the code whatever, the code, not pink, but whatever one was for like, the delivery is like yeah. happening right this minute. And the NICU team starts running in and they're all like finishing food. They're like, a heads up would have been nice. And I go, sorry about that. Yeah. Like, I was like, it wasn't their fault. I literally... Went from a three to a ten and delivering in eight minutes. Holy shit, that's so... And so she, Ugh. the doctor runs in. That's painful. And she goes, all right, dad, put your hand up. She goes, on the count of three, bear down. I barely, barely engaged. And she went, bloop. Like, Micah said he was going to try and, like, touch her head as she crowned. There wasn't time. Just she like out. literally just like fell out. Yeah. But I was so hopped up and all I'd seen is movies is you push three times per contraction. <laughs> so I let up and I bared down again. And unfortunately my whole placenta came out with the second push. Right. So I delivered in 13 minutes, a three to a baby and a placenta in 13 minutes. Wow. And your first delivery. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, but of course, NICU team, Addie wasn't breathing. She had to be resuscitated. Oh, God. Um, she was a one out of eight. And I want to say at 30 minutes, she was a three out of eight. So she had to be intubated and given surfactant. She was kept in too long. And they took her just right up. Like, I, I have a picture where it looks like, I remember I couldn't see her. They had her too, like, they couldn't, she was, she was a, she also came in because of her weight. She was at a super high increased risk of intracranial bleeding, mm -hmm. um, interventricular hemorrhage, IVH. Um, so even though she wasn't micropremie by gestation, she was considered extremely premature. So she was at that, like, for TG, she was an easy feeder grower. You just keep her head still for 48 hours, you're fine. For me, it was, you're telling me if I raise her feet over her head too much during a diaper change, I could cause a catastrophic brain bleed. No, I'm not going to change her diaper. Thank you. Yeah. You may change the first 48 hours worth of diapers, you dumb shit. Yeah. There's no way in hell. That's so scary. I'll take, oh I'll take every diaper after. Yeah. Thanks. Actually, please don't make me take every, but I mean, pretty much. Every. Yeah. Um... So the one thing I'd asked him to do was, you know, just go with baby, stay with baby. And I meant like, stay with baby. Like, don't let like, baby 
be like, alone. Right, like even if you can't do anything, like sit and be present and right. maybe text me, send me pictures, keep me up to date. And I remember kind of just having that like giant letdown. And, you know, they start the whole just a reminder, you know, because you're on magnesium, you know, you have to go back to the antepartum. You can't go to postpartum. But since baby's not in the room anyway, you know, it's okay. You might do further recovery up on the postpartum floor depending on, on how you do with your blood pressures. Because the goal is to be off magnesium in 24 hours, but not everyone can be. And some people are on blood pressure meds for the rest of their life. Right. Like some people, and I had such a severe case. Um, that, you know, realistically 24 hours, but the good news is also she was just upstairs. So like, even if I was antepartum, I could, I, after, after magnesium was done, I could ask nurses to just roll me upstairs to see her. Okay. I just had to coordinate transport, which you would think was a whole inconvenience, but it's like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage. Sorry. It's my baby. Fuck you. Hell yeah. Um, especially after this the next part. Um, so <laughs> He's upstairs and Jamie comes in and I'd had a, I had a breast reduction at 19. So chances of breastfeeding, I think at the late or early 2000s when I got the surgery, it was still pretty primitive. Right. And so I think they told me like, you've got at best like a 10% chance about being able to produce milk at all. And I was like, well, okay, I'm still going to try, especially now that she's a NICU baby. Like they explained, like, even if it's just colostrum, like, okay, we'll supplement. She, she qualified for, for donor breast milk because of her weight. Mm -hmm. So like she was going to get breast milk regardless. And even if I could just get some colostrum, like, why not I was going to, yeah, I'm sitting here, like, let me do my part. Yeah. Because I didn't just do my part. Right. Um, <laughs> just mom So stinks. I remember this the nurse coming in going like, well, we get your breast pump ready in your room. Why don't you start hand expressing? Well, the problem is the first moment I expressed, what happens when you express? Your uterus contracts. Right. That's when I felt my blood pressure just crash. Oh. And I remember having that, like, and I still, that, that moment, it, like, it made it really hard to, like, I, I still, like, even with Beth, I wouldn't hand express. I will pump, but I will not hand express. But I remember kind of, like, like, calling the button for Jamie, and she, I could tell she was, she was a little concerned about me, and, but she'd been with me for a while, and I liked her, and I knew her, and. I just told her, I was like, you know, I really, I really feel cold and shaky and I just, I don't feel well. She goes, okay, okay. You know, she goes, so she tucked me all in. I think she gave me, I think I might've gotten a pain, some pain meds then. She gave me something to relax is how she put it. And, you know, they wheeled me back into my room and I remember being like, okay, there's bleeding postpartum and they were doing the, the massages and each time there was, there was significant stuff coming out, but I didn't know how much was or wasn't normal. Right. And they weren't freaking out and they were keeping, you know, they were doing their frequent tests and everything they were doing. Cause I was, you know, trying to die. Right. <laughs> and they were, you know, like, okay, you're trying to make time. you not die. And so Jamie had gotten off and the new nurse was on and she was super, super timid and quiet and super kind. Mary, um, didn't speak English very well, but was very patient and I was comfortable. Yeah. And Micah was 
so just, he only stayed with baby for like a half hour and then met me in my room. And then of course just complained that the bed was under the air register <laughs> and he didn't have enough pillows. And it's like, I'm still like, we, I can't even, I just delivered a fucking baby after four or 36 hours in bed with another 24 hours to go. What did he do in the military? He was a Marine, but he didn't, he, he served in peacetime. Gotcha. He got out right before 9-11. There's the difference. Yeah. Okay. He never act, actually. Because dudes who ha have had to sleep on just rocks in the desert, like in a, or dig a little bit of a hole in the ground. And I mean, they, they don't. They don't bitch about shit like that. Oh, but anyway. his shoulder was hurt. Oh, ouch. He had a torn rotator cuff, don't you know? Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, no, I've, I've had that. Yeah, I just too. pushed a child out of my right. vagina, you he asshat. He for a year. Fucking, oh my God, his mom had told him to man up like three days later. God. When she was trying to sell me Kratom for my anxiety. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, three days after delivering a baby and, and almost dying, and I at that time was convinced my baby was still gonna die. Laura can tell uh, you a whole horror stories about because, Kratom. Well, and but... I had the, I mean, can you talk about postpartum shit going on, you know, and PTSD, and then I've got no support because my mom's not not showing up because there's nothing for her to do. And so, you know, when Micah's bitching, so he, I finally was like, why don't you just go to the car? Take a gummy and go to sleep. Chill the fuck out. Leave me yeah. alone. Take take a pillow with you. If security stops, you just be like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. Like, don't make a big deal. Just go away. Go. Let me rest. And so he left. And then I had my moment of, like, breakdown. Yeah. Like my, oh. I, I have no idea how my baby's doing. He's mm. taken a couple really crappy photos He's not able to tell me a fucking thing that they've done. And so this quiet, tiny little nurse somehow hears me. And I thought Aww. I was being like super quiet. And so she lets the nurse up like, at the NICU know, Addie's charge nurse or one-on-one -on -one nurse, that I was, I was having a hard time. She, so I didn't know. It was Amy, the nurse, called me and gave me an update on the phone. And I remember being like, Aww. okay, this, this still sucks. But, but like, thank now I you. know, like, yeah. here's what she's at risk of. Here's what we're doing to prevent it. You know. Yeah, like, that's the bare, like, at least what they need to be doing. Right. Like, All you I need know to know. All I know is my baby was born pretty much not breathing and barely responsive. Right. And where is she and what's wrong? And Right. And Mike is just, oh, yeah, they're up there. They say she's fine. It's like a cool, cool fix for the. Somehow that seems like a not super complete. Uh, am yeah. I also fine? All right, that would freak me out more than like. Oh well, anything. that's that's how I found out. Yeah. He'd gone to one of Beth's rounds for me because that was like our supposed to be taking turns. And he goes, oh yeah, when I got there, they were doing like you know one of those ultrasound things. I was like, what for? He goes, oh, I don't know. I guess they were just, like, checking for something. Where? On her body? What were they she checking for? She had a for? stroke. Oh, my fucking... They just didn't know where the clot was, and they'd explained it to him. 
<gasps> so when I got the phone call at 9 p.m. when I was asleep, when she was 13 days old, because we were still at Silver Cloud, and it was just, yeah, Ms. Hutt um, wanted to let you know that we did locate the clot, and it appears she's had an ischemic stroke. And you were like, sorry, what? Oh, I just was kind of like, oh, okay, what are the next steps? I was just like, it was because the, you just accept it. Stroke is like a 2% risk that comes with these surgeries. It's a known and likely <sighs> risk. So my brain was just, it doesn't matter why it happened. It, it just is. Um, and luckily she, she had very little other than the, her eye that didn't track as well. Um, and then when she was tired, she'd get clonus muscle spasms, but that also can just be from long-term meds, um, like Ativan and stuff. Um, so she's, you know, got, got me talking to Amy. She's convinced me to take a Vicodin or Percocet or whatever. Cause you know, like you need to sleep. Right. You've been up for way too long. <laughs> You're sick. You just delivered a baby. You can't. And do so anything. she goes, okay, well, let's, let's get you up and using the bathroom. And I remember that they packed me what I thought seemed excessive. But given they were pushing quite a bit out, and again, I had no one there explaining to me what normal looked like. I, I was not supposed to have a baby yet. Like, I hadn't even birth, like seen the birth center. I hadn't toured anything. I didn't know. You didn't have a baby shower. Right. <sighs> um... So, I had on, like, the hospital briefs, mm -hmm. oh, and then, so they had the, the brief, best. and then they had a chucks pad that they'd kind of just made into one long, fits between your legs. Mm -hmm. With the flaps hanging out the leg holes? No, this was oh. literally the chucks pad. Yeah. But it was going up the whole, like, they, she'd folded it like oh, hot gotcha. dog. She folded it. Yeah. And then um, two of the big maxi pads. I remember that being like, but I, I, I used to have heavy periods, you know, whatever. Like, again, they keep telling me I'm fine. Those maxi pads are nuts, though. They're Well, I stood up and I was doing my whole, like, doing my, my kegel pelvic thing. Because I, I do kegels when I'm anxious and I didn't realize that that um, <coughs> was a bad idea. That's well, okay. it's just, I don't even notice I'm doing it. So the second she oh. helped, she helped me get my pants down and I relaxed and it looked like a water balloon. Oh. It literally was this like through the pads, everything, it went down and it was up the walls, up the toilet, blood, just, just blood. So she's, she's not as calm, cool, collected. She goes, all right, just, I want you to sit on the toilet and just breathe. Let's get you cleaned up. I'm going to go talk to the doctor. And so the doctor comes in and does the whole like massage thing. Um, and I think hooks me back up to Pitocin to be like, well, maybe you still have a little, like your, your uterus needs to contract more. It's floppy. Oh, it's not, it's not contracting enough to, to push everything out. Gotcha. So the goal would be, so like if there is something bleeding, your body would naturally clot down on itself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but my hematocrit was looking fine. 
you know, okay, we're watching you, you're good, lean me on my side, put like a pillow between my legs. There was a shift change, and it was one of the nurses I'd met when I was, you know, in the few days up to delivery, Janice. And she did the same thing that other doctor did, where she, she kind of like leaned down and looked at me. She goes, what's going on? How are you feeling? And mm -hmm. I go, I go, honestly, I have this urge to push. Mm. And she goes, I've heard you've had some bleeding. Is that, are you still feeling that? I'm like, not, not really right now. Like, I didn't feel like I was actively bleeding. There was no gushing. I was just resting on my side, but I had, I had an urge to push. And she goes, okay, well, let's, let's just, we're going to just, the team's rounding right here. It was like, I think it was, it was the start of like one of the big weeks. So there were four of the MFM doctors of all the times. Right. There's Dr. Mr. Molina, Dr. Mrs. Molina, Dr. Parks, and Dr. Chan. And we're talking like four of the top Best of the best. Of the best, best of the best MFM doctors possible. Plus, my laborist was still on. She was handing off the rounds. So they're literally outside. Perfect team. Um, you know, MFM's not super involved with me right now because at this point my blood work looks great. It looks like I've stopped bleeding. Um, and so Janice has me on the back and she goes, I want you to like, like baby push. Like just like you're just a, just a little a little a little barely barely there, like five percent. And I did, and I delivered a clot that was bigger than Addie. It had clotted, <gasps> and as soon as I did that, it the active bleeding started back up. Like it had clotted oh, no. itself, and so she rolled me on my side, and I remember sitting there and hearing nurses behind me. And again, Mike is now he didn't take one edible. He ate the entire bag worth. So there was like eight of them. And at this point, ten, 10 was enough to get him fucked. So he, he checked out. Oh, my God. So he's not even awake. And <laughs> the new nurse, you know, the nurse, Jan Janice, or God, I don't remember her name. Because I thought she was really bitchy. But now I realize that like, she was just really getting ready to save my life in right. the OR. Sometimes and I'm like, you need oh, that, you need oh that yeah, no, that Janice was taking care of me. I'm glad you did what you, you were good. And so I'm sitting there and I realized like I, I just started feeling really, really, it was, it's like when I tend to try and die. Right. Um, I felt really tired and I was like, okay. And I just remember relaxing and I could feel every heartbeat, uh -huh. little bits of fluid going out. And if I did bear down, I could feel gushes. <gasps> and I was like, I don't, I don't think this is right. And so I, I hit the bell cause this time. This time I was on my right side. Uh-huh. Had the bell. It. Um, and Dr. Parks came in and she goes, Katie, she goes, I need to check you. And I'm thinking, okay, we've had cervix checks. I know they're not great, but I mean, how bad can it be after everything I've been through? And to be fair, she did not say cervix check, cervix check. She said she needed to check me. Right. Which meant putting her hand in my uterus. Oh. So she had the nurses holding my legs open, and she put her whole hand inside. Oh, my God. 
and begin massaging the inside in hopes to find the cause oh. of the bleed. Oh. To which point I grabbed her scrubs yeah. right here and I said, I will not hurt you, but you are fucking killing me. Yeah. And I shouted. And next thing I know, like everyone's running in the room because, you know, it's TG. And someone shouting very loudly that they're being killed is probably right. an emergency. Yeah. Like maybe not what they were thinking. Well, next thing I know, like another MFM doctor comes in. I think it was Dr. Chan first. And so she took over for Dr. Sanford and did the exact same thing. At this point, I'm still fighting it. I'm screaming. I'm like, I'm trying to relax. And then um, Dr. Molina, no, it was Dr. Parks next. Dr. Chan and Dr. Parks. Dr. Parks was, her hand was like, she was in there and she started to move. And I remember my body, I, I kind of had that moment of like, I'm fighting the people that are trying to save me. Same right. kind of thing like with the, I need to let the machine breathe for me. Ugh. And I had that moment of just like, they're saving me right now. And I literally was able to relax my body. Ugh. And that's when the doctor, she's in there and she goes, does she still have her epidural? Because they assumed I was literally just delivered because this doesn't normally have... A six hour, seven hour, eight, I guess it was a 10 hour delay between delivery and hemorrhage or like between the, the clot passing. Right. And normally that kind of hemorrhage, Happened it had during, started, it had, dur later, that yeah. was the clot I passed in the toilet. I'd started the hemorrhage 24 hours before I delivered or very, it was, it was, yeah. it was. It was a long, drawn-out bleeding. Fuck. That's so um, scary. And I remember shouting no. Like, I'm sitting there limp noodle, just like, fine, fuck you all. You're saving my life, but I want you to die. Right. And I just shouted, no, I never got my fucking epidural. <laughs> and next thing I know... It was like, it was like fairies came in. All these pokes start happening and I just start getting flooded with these oh. feelings. But I also look and there's two separate doctors squeezing bags of blood into me. Yeah. And the nurses are collecting the blood that's now pooling out of me in towels and weighing it oh. to try and figure out how much, much they need to be replacing because I am now no longer live like i'm i'm you need I'm, that now right, right now and, right now and micah's reaction is to back away and worries that the bag might explode that's his way of he was worried the bag was gonna explode what now mind you my inappropriate gallows humor is now super fucking hopped up on the god's greatest combination of shit i've ever right. had like i just remember <laughs> Like, could you have given me that before you stuck your entire hand? They thought in apparently ears? I'd already had it because they thought you had an epidural still, right? Right, but I never got one oh because God. I don't feel pain like a normal person. Or when I do, I just accept that it must be normal. <laughs> God, that's so scary and horrible. And so, Ugh. and that's what I've learned. Like, I've started just taking my blood pressures for things, and that's the whole Jesus Raver story. 
where I learned that I can gauge the pain level to tell the doctors based on my blood pressure. Because oh. they'll believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the higher the blood pressure, the higher the number gets to be. So in aftershock, when I broke my foot, because oh, wow. it's me, and I, it was a hairline fracture, it's fine. Uh, just a repeat injury. But I went in, and the, the nurse is just like, okay, what's your pain level? I'm like, I don't know, like five? And she took my blood pressure. She goes, you sure? And I'm like, what was my blood pressure? She goes, 190 over something. I'm like, oh, Oh, it's like a like, a, like a, nine. a nine then, yeah. I was like, yeah, like it's like a nine, maybe an eight. <laughs> and the doctor comes over the the nurse practitioner. She goes, "We see a lot of you guys at festivals like mm-hmm. this." And Jesus Raver had just gotten picked up and taken to his hotel right before me for shit. This is day three, so he was seeing the medics every night. So did they um, think that you were just on drugs and that's no. why you were pain free? No, they just, oh. they, there are a subset of people that don't, they don't feel pain, which is why this was like my 16th surgery. Oh. I, I break myself. Oh, was it not plugged in? What? No. Oh, I just feel pain every time I move my body. Well, here's the thing. Ugh. I do feel pain, but I feel it when I'm forced into depression. Then my pain is all-consuming, mm-hmm. and the depression makes the pain worse, and the pain makes the depression worse. Yep. Being bed-bound makes it worse. Yeah. And so it's also been four weeks of being bed-bound while not actively depressed and making it feel like it's making it depressed. So it's like it's psychological fuckery. I'm like, because I really needed that right now. Like, let's toast how go stronger resolve let's is. Let's see what you can do. Right? Like, prove it, bitch. But so they're, they're prepping everything. And the next thing I know, they're like, Katie, we have to take you to the operating suite. Um, we can't figure out the source of your bleeding. Cause at that point, Oh, because by then I had the third doctor trying it now that I was relaxed and not in pain. God, I mean, yeah. I think it still hurt if I remember, but it was like, it was way better pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It was just pressure. And, um, and I was like, I looked right at Micah and I go, I really thought I would go my whole life without ever being fisted. (laughs) And the doctor looks right at me. She goes, honey, it's a different technique and a different sensation. (laughs) And just keeps going. And then the last guy, like the head honcho, Dr. Mr. Molina, the fourth guy, the fifth doctor to put his hands in me, but the fourth of the MFMs. Because, you know, Katie can take it. Oh, yeah. She took it epidural-free. In the community, I'm a very sought-after masochist that chooses not to be anymore. Mm -hmm. Just because you can beat the shit out of me doesn't mean you need to anymore. My body's too fragile for that. Yeah. Oh, I missed the sweetest part before the catastrophic hemorrhage became completely known. So in between the toilet incident and then the clot, Mm -hmm. the... Addie's nurse came down and she'd taken a photo and printed it out for me and brought it down and it said hi mom on it and she personally told me all the things that were going right what we were looking for what to expect when I got to see her in however many hours you needed that so bad and then they put that picture on the TV it was like sitting in the corner of the TV like as like a picture you know just so you could there like to hold it yeah and so I could just look at it and be like my baby's alive I can call the Nikki my baby's alive like we're good that's so awesome and I remember they're starting to wheel me to the OR and they're like Katie 
we need you to sign um, for your hysterectomy. And I said, uh, we're not done having kids. Do I have, this goes back to the whole tracheotomy thing. I was like, are we there? Is this really necessary? Yeah. And they go, well, we're not sure it can be saved at this point. And I said, if you are able, please save my uterus. Mm -hmm. We want one more. Mm -hmm. And they did. Yeah. So yeah, they took me into Janice. I remember I was passing out. Actually, they were putting me out under. And she put her hands on my cheeks. And I, she was off. And she goes, I'll be here when you wake up. Yeah. And she, she, I guess, stood and held me the whole surgery because no one was there for me. Right. Except for these people that had only known me for a couple days. Um, and so I woke up and they weren't positive that the, that, that it had been a success. Yeah. Because I'd gotten so close. To, I was still on blood. I was still on everything. Um, so they had me still strapped to the surgical board. On a gurney. So my hands are still tied down. My feet are tied down. I'm catheterized. But I don't know I'm catheterized. That, that was, that, that's part of how I woke up. I woke up and I knew I was alive. So I'm like, all right, cool. Because I remember looking at Addie's picture going, they're not going to let a new mom die. Like, they would not let me die. Which, I didn't know how cocky that fucking spit. Yeah. But my body was like, nah, that, this isn't my story. That'd be nice, but... Um, so... I, uh, I remember seeing Mike was there and then he was like, oh, you know, the, the doctor said that, that it looks pretty good, but you're going to have to like stay put for at least 24 hours, you know, just to make sure. And I go, okay, okay, okay. Like, and like now, now you're giving me too much information. Like, right. do you not realize that I'm under anesthesia and pain meds? And like, I have more blood in my body that came from someone else. Like. I got a nosebleed a day later and I felt guilty. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm wasting it. Yeah, I'm bleeding someone else's blood out my nose. I needed that and I'm just <laughs> wasting it. Right. That person donated for me to win. That's hilarious. I told Micah, I was like, I need you to let the nurse know that I have to use the bathroom. Because at this point, I've been doing this enough to know they're going to make you get up to use the commode. Or the toilet. I don't realize at this point I'm still strapped down. I have no idea how, like, serious things are. I, again, I went to, to sleep thinking, I'm going to survive this. I feel fucking loopy on drugs, but I got this, you know. Yeah. And he comes back and he goes, Katie, she told me to tell you that you have a catheter. <laughs> I'm able to, my kegels, I could pitch off the catheter. I that's that's how I still got the bed sores with the pneumonia was because when I relaxed, I'd pee around it because when they put it in, I would be too, like, clenched. Oh. And when I'd relax, there'd be space. <gasps> so I'd pee around it and it would cause urine scald. Whoa. So I have learned when I'm catheterized to release slowly to not overwhelm the tube. But they also now have a system that you can hold in place called a periwig. Yeah. That literally is just like a little airflow suction with a little like cotton pad on it. And you just, again, slowly let it out and it puts it in. It's the most amazing thing. Oh. The things you learn when you aren't able to pee standing up or with any of your own control. Yeah. But actually still somewhat in control. 
Um, which is also how I proved that the epidural they attempted to place with Beth was not actually in. When I was like, well, I have to pee. And they're like, well, okay, if you think you can pee in a bed sta- or bedpan, you're going to have to do, you know, a bridge to get it under. And I looked at her and I did the bridge. I was like, yeah. And then I looked at her and I, like, released the pee. I'm like, doesn't look like it's working much to me. Oh, I'm a bitch to people that doubt my abilities. I love it. Uh, I know my fucking body, dude. Right. I think at this point, probably better. Like, I just, like, there's no point going to the doctor for this. I'm fine. I want to say I was inpatient two or three more days. But by then I was doing the whole, like, well, I'm walking myself to my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm going up to the NICU. And, yeah. And um, they finally agreed to discharge me, even though it was a weekend. Even though they didn't normally do weekends. Because I promised I would stay in her room. So, like, the breast pump was there. The blood pressure cuff was there. They were two floors down if I felt... Yeah. Because I was still so super sausagey feet. And, I mean, I was... I just died and... Right. You know. I mean, not officially died. But I I had over three quarters of my blood volume replaced. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Close enough. Well, well, my my then... um, boyfriend hid under a blanket mm-hmm. um on the uncomfortable it was cold bed. it was under an air vent i mean yeah. to be fair that vent was fucking cold okay right. and where was he gonna sit if he didn't sit there there was the doctors were taking up all the good spots by me right i mean what shitty chair or nothing you know that's it he was just letting that poor them guy. do their jobs which is what he told me when I spent too much time with Addie after he got kicked out. Was that I needed to stop visiting the kid in the NICU and let the nurses do their job. Oh my god. annoying them anyway. Oh yeah. I, I married a the 50 million red flags. Mm-hmm. But he was having a bipolar episode. So like you can't really blame him. It was traumatic and... Maybe once he gets through his shit, I get to have my turn, right? Maybe. Maybe. Because, you know, I was clearly having a vacation. Yeah, that wasn't traumatic for you. Right. Just you know, him. Katie, Katie can handle it. She always bounces back. <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I was staying in her room, and I was walking back and forth from the, their version of Rondon. So at six days, what's Rondon? Oh, like oh, old people? No, Ronald McDonald House. Like they're oh. they're they're on-site housing for for families who've got ones in critical care. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, Rondon old people like the Ron and Don show or whatever. No, I was thinking fucking Rulon in Lacey. That's mm. what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So um, Rondon. Yeah, it was one of those like I remember the horror. On the face of his mom, the first time they came to visit, I, I, they didn't know I was already at the hospital, and here I am, in clothes that were tight on me before pregnancy, walking from my kids' whole NICU room right up to the front desk to show them back to a room and give them this, you know, like, and and no one thought that oh, just because she's functioning well, she must not need the help. Yeah. So I didn't get the help. Mm-hmm. And he got to have a mental breakdown over my trauma. Uh-huh. 
because he just couldn't handle that he almost lost me. So it's my job to help him grieve through my attempted death. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wasn't able to take her home right away. Right. Because it the house wasn't going to pass the home inspection. And he'd thrown up enough red flags that they'd, they'd led me to believe that um, I might face a bit of uh, pushback for wanting to take her. Because the one time I'd gone to, like, show him that I was still active or whatever, I went back and there wasn't anywhere sanitary for me to put my pumping supplies. And he was so stoned that, like, he had me waiting for him for so long that I missed, like, two pump sessions. And it would take me... I mean, I was pumping every two and a half to three hours to get ten mils total every pump session. That's it. Yeah. But she was only eating, like... 14 mils at a time so for a while that I was laughing I was like I think until she was like 10 days old I was like she's exclusively breastfed by me uh-huh. and then it was very quickly after that she had to get donor but it was amazing it was it was still I did a month right I needed exactly one month and that's also why I chose not to even engage for Beth's it was she was going to qualify for donor if she was ever even going to get to eat they don't feed them before their first surgery. Right. So, like, am I really going to kill myself to pump? Because I watched Shannon, Cora's mom. She, she, they were throwing away her milk. She made too much. And her baby never got any of it. Yeah. So, it's like, pumping the stuff. mental health yeah. that I, you know, like, having permission to stop pumping for yep. Addie. Mm-hmm. Like, one month. All right, I made it. It's a milestone. I can put a stamp on it. Even if you don't make it that far, it's okay. You can follow us anywhere on the the link on your little your little episode description there. We're gonna hear more from Katie more about some other times she's almost died and some other crazy shit that she's done. Just remember that it could always be worse. And um we'll like see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.